This podcast is brought to you by the Reformed Witness Committee of Hope Protestant Reformed Church in Walker, Michigan. It is our goal to spread our distinct Protestant Reformed views based on the Word of God and the Reformed Confessions. We hope that this message is edifying to you. Our scripture reading this morning is from Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. We read verses 1 through 9 of Ephesians 6. Ephesians 6, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling in singleness of your heart as unto Christ, not with eye service as men-pleasers, but as the servants of Christ doing the will of God from the heart, with good will doing service as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that whatsoever good thing any man doeth, the same shall he receive of the Lord, whether he be bond or free. And ye masters, do the same things unto them, forbearing threatening, knowing that your master also is in heaven. Neither is there respect of persons with Him. We read that far in God's holy word on the basis of that portion of Scripture, as well as on the basis of many other parts of the Word of God. We have the teaching of the Heidelberg Catechism. And this morning we consider Lord's Day 39 regarding the fifth commandment. Honor thy father and thy mother, that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. What does God require in the fifth commandment? That I show all honor, love, and fidelity to my father and mother, and all in authority over me, and submit myself to their good instruction and correction with due obedience and also patiently bear with their weaknesses and infirmities, since it pleases God to govern us by their hand. Beloved, in the Lord Jesus Christ, this morning we consider the fifth commandment in light of Ephesians chapter 6. In verses 1 through 3 of Ephesians 6, we see Paul clearly refer to the fifth commandment and explain that fifth commandment. Children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and thy mother, which is the first commandment with promise that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. Paul explicitly applies the fifth commandment to children and their relationship to parents. But it is important that we do not think of only those first three verses 
as Paul's application of the fifth commandment. If you look through Ephesians chapter 6, you will see that in connection with the fifth commandment, he is not only addressing children, notice, but in verse 4, he addresses fathers. Fathers, provoke not your children to wrath. That is an implication of the fifth commandment. That as children obey, the fathers may not be provoking them to wrath. In verses 5 and following, we also see Paul thinking still about the fifth commandment, applying it now to servants and masters. Not only are children to obey the authority of their parents, but servants, or in our day and age, employees who have been paid to be servants, they're called to honor and obey their employer. And then if you go back before chapter 6 to Ephesians chapter 5, you will see that Paul had the fifth commandment in mind even before chapter 6. Especially in verses 22 and following, you find that Paul applies this to marriage. That in the relationship of marriage, wives in particular are called to honor, to reverence their husbands. All of these applications of the fifth commandment. And as you know, Scripture applies the fifth commandment also to the relationships of members of the church to their elders, their office bearers. And it applies the fifth commandment to the citizens of a country to honor and obey the government officials of state and country that God has set over them. On the basis of Scripture, therefore, the catechism applies the fifth commandment to more than just children in the home. It says that I show all honor, love, and fidelity to my father and mother and all in authority over me. Christ Jesus the Lord, who has died, who has given up His life for our salvation, and then has risen again and is exalted to God's right hand, He commands you today out of thankfulness, and by the power of His Spirit to honor and obey all those whom He has placed in authority over you. This honor that the fifth commandment demands, I said, is to be applied to all who are under authority, and yet children, children, there is something very important about you, children, who are yet in the home. Explicitly, the fifth commandment speaks to you. It doesn't only speak to you, children, but it speaks to children. Honor thy father and thy mother. This is basic. This is fundamental. In fact, children, so basic and so fundamental is this, that if you don't learn how to honor and obey your father and your mother, you will have a hard time obeying and honoring anybody else that God sets in authority over you. Girls who don't honor their mom and dad will have a hard time honoring their husbands one day. Boys who don't honor their father and mother will have a hard time in honoring their employers one day. Children who don't honor mother and father in the home will have a hard time honoring elders in the church and the government one day. It is fundamental 
that children learn this honoring of father and mother in the home. That you can tell parents is not only applicable to children, but parents ensure that you nurture your children up in this proper honor. It is basic to the Christian life. Children, the fifth commandment is the first commandment of the second table of the law. I tried to make that explicit in the reading of the law this morning. After the fourth commandment, I said, now we come to the second table of the law, where our duty is toward our neighbor. And out of love for God, we are to also love our neighbor as ourselves. But this is significant, children. Sometimes when we think about our neighbor, we think about our next door neighbor, the neighbor that lives in the house down the street. But God says, while those are your neighbors also, here is your first neighbor. The neighbor, in fact, that you come into contact with first in your life, your mother and your father, who lives in the same home with you. Love God. Out of love for God, love your neighbor as yourself. In this way, honoring your father and your mother. There is a priority to this fifth commandment as the first in the second table of the law. And as Paul puts it in Ephesians 6 verse 2, the first commandment with promise. Consider it with me as explained by Scripture and the catechism under the theme, honoring all in authority over me. First, the meaning. Second, the basis. And then finally, the promise. The meaning, the basis, and then the promise. Children, as I said, the Word of God especially addresses you. It applies to adults as well. But I'm going to speak to you children often in this sermon. To you younger grade school children. To you teenage children who may be becoming adults in your body, but are yet children. This Word of God is especially for you. Honor. That's a simple word. But that's the first word in the fifth commandment. It's the word that sums up all the other words that the catechism uses to describe obedience to the fifth commandment. Love, fidelity, submission, Obedience, all is under this heading. Honor. Honor begins in the heart. It's not merely something that is outward, but it starts here in your soul. It is a mindset. It is an attitude toward your parents and those in authority over you. And that Greek word for honor gives us a picture it gives us an illustration, children. It is a picture from the marketplace or the business world. When a person wants to sell something, or perhaps even when he is considering to buy an object, he sets a value on that object. And in Bible times, in order to determine the value of something, often they would take that object and put it on scales to weigh that object, to see how heavy it was, and that helped determine the value. Think of grain, think of gold and silver. 
The Old Testament word for honor means that. It means to hold something as weighty. To hold something as of great value. Heavy with value. That's the picture of honor. It is in your mind, children, to weigh another person, especially the one whom God has set in authority over you, and to think of that person as having great value before you. To even think of a very high price tag upon that person. Precious to you. You are to think of your parents that way. You are to think of the authority in your life in that way. Honor. You might, in considering their value, think about who they are. And that's proper. Children, you might think about who your parents are as persons. Their gifts. Their godliness. How God has created them. How they reflect God's glory. You may think about not only who they are, but what they've done for you. Their work. That they feed and clothe you. That they pay for your education. That they sacrifice of their bodies, of their time to care for you. Weigh their value. Honor them. Thanking God for them. But even if you cannot think, about any valuable gift that they have, even if you cannot think about any valuable work they have done, still, you honor them because you value, you see as weighty Jesus Christ. You see as valuable, more precious than anything and anybody else in the world to you, your Savior who has given His precious blood for you, who has bought you, who has redeemed you, who gives you eternal life, and valuing Him, even if you cannot see any value in your parents or superiors, in valuing Him, then you value the office and the position that He has given to your parents and authorities in your life. And honor you honor. The word for honor is related to the, word, to the word submit. Submit literally means to set yourself under. And generally that word submit means meekness. It means humility. It means to honor another above yourself. Think of Philippians 2 verse 3. In lowliness of mind, let each esteem. It's another word for honor. Esteem other better than themselves. Apply that now to your parents, children, and adults, to anybody in authority over you. Esteem them as better than yourself. One of the main reasons for rebellion, one of the main reasons for Disobedience is simply pride. And children and those under authority think of themselves better than their superior. And in that way they rebel. Submit. Honor 
another above yourself. That's your calling, first of all. Wives, as applies to you in your honor of your husbands, how do you speak to them? Do you command them? Or do you ask them? Employees, do you honor your employers? What do you say about them? With your fellow employees. Students, do you honor your teachers? What is your attitude toward your teachers? Generally, and then when they assign a task or a homework that you don't like. Members of the church, what is your attitude toward your elders when they make decisions that you might not agree with? Do you honor your governor? Do you honor your president? How did you talk about the president this week when you noticed things you did not like or that other people on the news were mocking him about? Honor. That's your calling. The second word we focus on this morning is obey. Obedience is one way, not the only way, but it is one way of honoring. The Catechism says, show all honor. And then it explains how to show all honor. It explains that we show all honor by submitting myself to their good instruction and correction with do Obedience. Do obedience. Children, obey. Obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. That's God's Word to you. Don't stop listening. Because you might think you already know what that means. Because obey means just that. It means listen. To help you understand that, I give you another picture. The word obey refers to the action of a porter in the Bible. The action of a doorkeeper. Who goes to the gate or goes to the door of a building or an area and he listens carefully to who's on the other side of the door before he takes any action, before he obeys. Think about this, children. It's nighttime. Your parents maybe are out for a little while. About 10 o'clock, it's dark. And the door you made sure was locked. And all of a sudden during the night, before your parents are home, you hear something on the other side of the door. Is it mom and dad? Their voices. Whose voices are those? Are they, are they trying to get in with a key or with something else? And so... You freeze and you listen. You listen very, very intently at that point. Who is it? What are they saying? And you listen before you take any action, whether it be to call the police or to open the door to your parents or to a friend. 
Children, this is the illustration of a porter or a doorkeeper. And this is the illustration of the word obey. Obedience is first of all, not doing something with your hands, but obedience is first of all, listening. Listening. First, listening. Children, too often you might say, I forgot to mom and dad when they confront you about your disobedience. Or you might say, I didn't hear you say that. But it's often because you have forgotten the first part of obedience. To listen. And you didn't take seriously their words in the first place. Obedience is to be swift to hear, as James calls it. And then, as James also later on puts it in chapter 1, being hearers of the word and also doers. Exactly as your parents call you to. And again, this must be applied to all of us under all authority that God has placed over us. Wives, do you obey your husbands? While husbands are not to treat you as children, And while husbands probably will not make many demands of you, yet it is required of wives to obey their husbands when the commands do come. Employees, do you obey your employers? Not just when they are watching as men-pleasers, Paul says, but also when their back is turned. Students, do you obey your teachers, listening carefully to their instructions or directions, and then being diligent in completing the assignment? Members of the church, do you obey your elders when they give instruction? Yes, as an application, I will say this, that I, as the pastor of this church, am not the ruler over the elders, but the elders rule over me, and I must submit to them by obeying them if they direct me in my pastoral work, in my writing, and my preaching, unless it be contrary to God's Word. Do you obey the government officials with their traffic laws and their demand for taxes? The Lord Jesus Christ commands us to honor and obey those in authority over us. And so in hearing that command we might ask the question, and not only might we ask, and may we ask, but even we should ask the question, is there any, ever a time that we may dishonor or disobey our parents and superiors? And the answer is, you know, should know, is that we may never dishonor, but we may sometimes, and we even must Sometimes disobey them. Must always honor them. Must always value them, love them, speak respectfully to them. Yet there is one circumstance that we should disobey them. Acts 5.29, Peter said, we must obey God rather than men. Which means... That in the circumstance when the authority tells us to sin, when mom and dad tell us to lie, or if they tell us to watch something on TV that is wrong, 
Or if they tell you to hold a grudge against another family in the church, then we must disobey. Or if a teacher or an elder or a parent or a pastor, children, if they were to tell you to do something with your body, especially with your private parts, that you know is wrong, you must disobey. And even more, you need to tell someone you trust that you may receive help to disobey so that you might obey God rather than men. Which brings me to a stern word to parents and those in authority. Remember, the fifth commandment is to children in particular and applies to us as we submit to other authorities. But the implication is also that parents and those in authority must rule well. And they may not abuse their authority. Paul makes that application, remember, as he is expounding on the fifth commandment. He says in verse 4, Ye fathers, when he speaks of fathers there, we can include others in authority. Provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Right in the middle of talking about the fifth commandment, he speaks to the authority himself. The Heidelberg Catechism also does this. When it says, submit, he calls, it calls children to their good instruction and correction. When the Catechism says good instruction and correction, it is not telling children you may only submit if it's good instruction and correction. You should only honor if you find it good. It's not saying that. But it is saying this. Parents, it better be good instruction. Those in authority, you must bring good care, nurture. You must use your authority for their good. According to your baptismal vows, according to your Bows, when you took office, to the utmost of your ability, you must care. The negative, provoke not. Provoke not. The idea of that word is to come alongside another and to do something sinful that would stir in that other anger and even other sins. Children, that does not refer to parents doing what is right and you becoming angry. That's different. It is not parents commanding you to do what is for your good and you don't like it and so you become angry. That's not provoking. That's tough love. But it does mean this. When parents in their selfishness use their authority to tell their children to serve them, to do their work, because their parents are lazy. It is to exasperate the children by making children slaves rather than children. 
We provoke them when we're inconsistent in marriage, in home, in church. When we say one thing and do another. When we tell our children, remember what we heard on Sunday? You need to honor and obey me. And then our children see us dishonor and disobey those that God has placed in authority over us. We provoke our children when we spoil our children. When we do not discipline them. When we neglect to bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord as we are commanded in verse 4. We provoke them when we are only negative. Without encouragement. Without the joy of the Lord. We're utterly aloof. Neglectful of them disinterested in their lives. And there are many other ways. But children, in spite of this, God's Word still comes to us and to you. That you patiently, the Catechism says, bear with their weaknesses and infirmities. Yes, God will hold a parent. God will hold the authority accountable. He will bring His chastising hand. He will bring judgment even. And here's the main calling. To those under authority, patiently bear with their weaknesses and infirmities. Even when your parents do provoke you, you seek the help of God and you bear along with them. You still honor them. Even when you have to disobey, while disobeying, you honor them. Wives, patiently bear with the selfishness of your husband. Members, patiently bear with the weaknesses of your elders. Beloved citizens of this country, patiently bear with the weaknesses of your president and of your governor. That doesn't mean ignore it. Let me qualify that. It's an important qualification. It doesn't mean ignore the weaknesses and sins, especially of those in authority over you. You're allowed to not only, but you're called to address those weaknesses and sins in particular. Often by way of Matthew 18, in a properly, proper church orderly manner, according to the government. If you see elders and pastors abusing their authority. And if there is any real danger, children, that you are in, or, or wives that you are in, immediately seek the help of an authority above your husband or your father. You may seek their help in the church. To bear patiently does not mean ignore. Bearing patiently often does mean addressing the weaknesses and sins of those who are over you. This is right, Paul says. Children, obey your parents, for this is right. 
He makes an obvious statement. It's right. It's the right thing to do. It's righteous before God. God has made a righteous law. Honor and obey. And He says, reiterates, this is right. Why make such an obvious statement? This is right. Because it is often the case that those who are under authority may doubt that. We're so often governed by feelings, are we not? Children, as our bodies are developing, developing, as there are hormones, as there is puberty, as there are many feelings that stir within you, this is no excuse. But we have our sinful nature taking a hold of our feelings so we feel as though doing our own thing is right. It feels right to answer back. It feels right to rebel. It feels good to get angry, to murmur, to complain against authority. You can justify yourself in it. It's right. Others tell you too the same thing. Not only do you have your feelings, but the world around you is prone to rebellion. They say it's right to re- to revolt. They say it's right to organize unions and strike. They say it's right for a woman to usurp the authority of the man in home and in church. They say it's right for young people to dishonor and disobey. It's just a thing they do. In these darkening last days, this world is becoming more and more rebellious to authority. And it's not just this world. You see it in the church. Even in the church, if you don't like something that the elders have done, if you feel you stand for the truth or true doctrine, then it's said that you may dishonor and you may do what you want. And so the waters become murky, don't they? Is that true? Am I really exempt from obeying the fifth commandment? When my feelings tell me to? When the world and even people in the church say, it's okay. You're justified in that. The Word of God comes today and it says, God says, no, this is right. It states the obvious because the obvious is not always so obvious. Obey. Honor. This is right. This is right. Which leads to the basis. Why is this right? It's a simple basis. Because the righteous God, who has all authority, gives that authority to whom He wills. So that when you have an authority like a parent over you, or an elder, or a husband, or a government official, that's not their own authority. That's God's authority. Given for them to use. Jesus said, John 19.11, To Pilate, he said, Thou couldst have no power or no authority at all 
against me, except it were given thee from above. Jesus even said, Pilate, you have authority only from God. It's the only reason you can rule today. Authority is the right to rule. It's the right to give a command. It's the right to demand obedience. It's the right to bring consequences upon those who disobey that rule. It's the right to rule. God has all the right to rule. He has all authority. But He distributes that authority sovereignly. Catechism refers to this basis in the last phrase, since it pleases God to govern us by their hand. Children, why do your parents have authority over you? They didn't take it for themselves. God conferred it. God gave it. And to dishonor mom, to disobey dad, is to dishonor and disobey God himself. It is right to honor and obey husband, wives, because God has given your husband his authority. It is right to honor and obey elders of the church, members, because God himself has given these elders his authority. It is right to honor your magistrate, the police, the president, because God has given these government officials the right to rule over you. That's the basis. The great problem or the lie that many believe about authority today is this, that might is right. That's the lie. Another way to put it is this, if I'm stronger, then I have the right to rule. That's foolish. Think about it, children, just because someone is stronger than a policeman, maybe he has stronger ammunition, maybe he's physically stronger, does that mean he has the right to rebel against the policeman? No. Just because a teenager is physically stronger, does he have the right to rebel against his father? Just because he can beat his father in basketball, does that mean he doesn't have to listen to his father? Just because you're smarter than your mother, or think you are, does that mean that you don't have to honor her? That's foolish. Might does not make right. That's a fallacy in thinking that we must repent of. Women everywhere imagine that since they're spiritually stronger than their husband or than the men in the church, that they may usurp the authority. That's simply nowhere in God's Word. It's a lie of the devil. Many Republicans think that since they're mentally stronger than the president, they may dishonor his name. Many think that if they're stronger in their doctrine than the elder or the pastor, then you may disregard church order and make railing accusations publicly. But might does not make right. Your strength does not give you authority. God confers authority and He may, and He does at times, confer authority to the weakest. 
of men. In home, church, and state. It's simply right, because God says so, to honor and obey. But related to this basis, and part of this basis, is the gospel. The gospel of Jesus Christ. God has given his authority, as we said, to whomsoever he will. But there's a step that comes before God giving to your father, to your mother, to your elder authority. There's a step that we haven't talked about, and it's this step. God first gives all authority to Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ then distributes the authority to whomsoever he will. Who is this Jesus Christ who has this authority from God? Well, this is Jesus Christ. He is God the Son who first humbled Himself. He was equal with God. He thought it not robbery to be equal with God. As God the Son, He didn't have to submit to God the Father. But He looked on us in mercy. And he saw us in our sins. He saw us in our disobedience to God and our dishonoring of Him in all authority. Sinning not only against the fifth commandment in the grievous way, in most grievous ways, but all the commandments of His Word. And so great was this Christ's mercy toward us that while we were yet sinners, He came. And He took upon Himself our human nature. And though He was equal with God, though He did not have to submit to God, He made Himself lower than the angels. He took on our flesh and blood and became, what? A servant. He put Himself under the law. under earthly parents, under authorities on this earth. He didn't have to, but He humbled Himself to honor, to obey, to submit. Imagine how this perfect Son of God had to bear patiently with the weaknesses and sins of His parents and every earthly authority that he had placed himself under. And why did he do that? For us. So that where we fail, he might obey and honor in our place. So that his perfect righteousness might be imputed to us. And while living this perfect life of obedience to all the commandments, including the fifth for us, He suffered for all of our disobedience and dishonor all the way unto the cross, that He might redeem unto Himself a people that have sinned. That's the comforting gospel, but that's not the whole story. Don't stop listening. 
having done all to earn this salvation, having obeyed perfectly for us and having suffered for us and having died. This Jesus Christ was exalted. This Jesus Christ was placed at the right hand of God. And to this Jesus Christ who had earned for us all of salvation, God gave all honor, all glory, and all authority. When Jesus ascended ascended into heaven, God the Father said something like this to His Son in our human nature. Now you distribute authority to whomsoever you will. And that's what Jesus does. Children, Jesus Christ, your Savior, is the one who has given your father and your mother authority. Members, Jesus Christ Himself is the one who has given your elders authority. Wives, Jesus Christ Himself is the one who has given your husbands authority. Employees, Jesus Christ Himself is the one who has given your bosses authority. Jesus Christ Himself has given the president, the government officials, the authority that they have. And He says in giving them the the authority, you must honor and obey them as you would me. Will you? Or will you reject Him who has done all this for you? If more to this Gospel, having first humbled Himself and obeyed for us and suffered for us, and having been exalted to distribute authority to whom He will, this Lord also equips us. You find that in that prepositional phrase of Ephesians 6, verse 1, in the Lord. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. In the Lord. That means your covenant children. That means that you are joined to the Lord in a living connection. He is the vine and you are the branches. And from Jesus Christ, there flows to you and me His Spirit. So gracious is this Lord that He not only redeemed you, giving His life for you, but what He commands you to do in thankfulness, He also equips you and strengthens you unto. Because you are in the Lord. And the promise to all those in Jesus Christ whom He forgives and whom He equips to obey. The promise is, according to the fifth commandment, that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. In short, children, the promise is long life. This is what God will graciously reward those who honor and obey their parents and those who are in authority over them. He will give long life. Long life on the earth in particular. 
Now what does that mean? In the Old Testament, this was true. God gave to many long life, or longer life, on this fallen earth even, who did honor and obey their parents. It went well for them. It went well for Israel when they honored. That was God's gracious reward on this earth. It's especially clear when you think about the opposite. In the Old Testament, it was true that if a child did not honor, if he cursed his father and mother, his life would not be long. His life was very short because he was stoned to death. When Korah, Dathan, and Abiram broke the fifth commandment and rebelled against Jesus Christ and against the authority that Christ had given to Moses, Korah, Dathan, and Abiram were swallowed up alive by the earth, they and their children. They didn't live very long on this earth. But that's the Old Testament picture. The reality, as you know, is to live long on the renewed earth. The new heavens and the new earth, that's the promise of God that He graciously will reward His people who obey, who honor and obey their parents and those whom He has put authority over them. How long will this life be? Eternal. Where? Not only in heaven, but on this earth. In the presence of God and our Son and His Son, Jesus Christ. No that promise in no sense at all means that the fifth commandment and obeying it is how you merit or earn long life in heaven. Christ has fully merited that. The proof that it's not merit is in the very words of the fifth commandment and the promise that he may live long in the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. Giveth thee. It's given. It's a free gift. All of salvation. It's earned and applied to you by Jesus Christ alone. Obedience does not earn long life. Obedience is not a condition. It is not an instrument by which you gain eternal life. But in the way of obedience, in the way of obedience to God's commandments, and first the fifth commandment and the second table of the law. This is the first commandment with promise, Paul says. A promise of a gracious reward. This is encouragement to you. It's incentive. It's something to look forward to as you obey. He promises you. Eternal life earned by Jesus Christ alone. That's really necessary for us. That hope, the promise fulfilled with a long life in heaven and on earth, is necessary for us to think about. It's encouragement. We're weak when we have to bear with the weaknesses of those in authority over us, it's difficult. No doubt about that. There are tricky situations. 
parents and superiors can be very provoking and make it very difficult to obey the fifth commandment. And so the gracious Father not only gives us the gospel He does, but includes with that gospel a promise. You will be rewarded. You may anticipate that. Look forward to that. And that stirs within us a sweet encouragement that we need as we go forth to obey His commandments. Trust, beloved. Trust in the Lord. Your Savior is your Lord. Trust in Him who has obeyed the fifth commandment for you, who has suffered in your place for your disobedience. Trust in His pardon. Trust in His power to help you obey. And trust in His promise. He will work all things for your good. He is working even the authorities in your life and all their weaknesses and infirmities for your good. That it might go well with you in the land which He gives to you freely. Amen. Let's pray. Father, Although earthly fathers and mothers and earthly authorities are sinful and weak, yet our eyes look up to Thee, the Father of all authority, perfect and righteous in wielding Thy authority. Our eyes especially look up to our Lord, Jesus Christ, the One who has saved us and is exalted to distribute that authority to whomsoever He will. And since Thou in the Lord Jesus Christ has given that authority to our parent, to a husband, to an elder, to employers, to teachers, to our government officials, we pray, help us to honor and obey as Thou would have us. We ask for Thy help. Stir within us to do so out of true faith in thanks, and in love for our Savior. And forgive us, O God, when Thy commandments we have not followed. Give us good instruction and correction with Thy Word this morning, and wisdom to know that Thou dost forgive us, and yet Thou dost also help us to turn and improve in our honor of those that Thou hast set above us. For Jesus' sake we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message. It is our hope that it was edifying to you. Please subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to them to be notified as future messages are published. We welcome you to join us on Sundays for worship at 9.30 a.m. and 5 o'clock p.m. You can find more information about us at our website, hopeprchurch.org. Also, you can follow us on our Hope Protestant Reformed Church Facebook page. And you can email the Reform Witness Committee with any questions or feedback at hoperwc at gmail.com. Thank you.